Morning, everyone. As Ben said, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 7 today, verses 1 to 23. If you want to use the Bibles in church, that's page 1010. So Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 23. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who'd come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? And he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is korban, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he'd left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. And he went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed... Malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just pray that uh, as we look at this passage, you will fill our hearts and minds. You will help us to see some great truths. Uh, and you will change our lives. Amen. This is a picture that um, changed our view of the world in in so many ways, uh, fundamentally, didn't it? Uh, And there have been other things uh, in history that have done the same. Uh, when, When something just sort of shifts so fundamentally that it just it changes everything 
Um, and, and a lot of commentators would say Mark 7 is one of those times. Mark 7 is one of those little passages that changes absolutely everything. And as we look at it now, we're going to break that challenge down into, into three different areas, really, because Mark 7 challenges what we believe uh, and what we do and, and what we hope for. All aspects of human life, if you like, are given a good shaking in Mark 7. Let's just put it in, in, in context. Um, if you were to flick back, because we've jumped a few chapters, but if you were to flick back, uh, you'll see that in the last chapter, Jesus has just fed 10,000 people with a picnic, which is just bonkers. That's impossible. And, and then straight after that, he's walked on water, which is, again, is just not possible. Um, after this chapter, what he's going to do is he's going to head off to uh, effectively enemy territory and bring the gospel to them. He's going to talk to people who are socially uh, completely unacceptable. It was just not the way uh, you behaved. So we're in the middle of a passage where Jesus is shaking things up. He's making us look again uh, at really what life is all about. And it's going to end this chapter with the, the biggest shaking up of all, really, which is that there is nothing any of us can do to change our relationship with God. That's going to be a huge change, if you like, in worldview that comes through this chapter. And so in doing that, Jesus is going to challenge our religion, our beliefs, our behavior, and what we do. And he starts off with this focus, if you like, on religion. Why do we, why do you, believe what you do? And you'll see, verse 5 of of the reading uh, Katie read to us, he focuses on this idea of the tradition of the elders. Um, And in verses 1 to 4, Mark explains uh, what that phrase means. You see, the priests taught that you had to be ritually pure if you wanted to know God. I was looking on an Orthodox Jewish website, and that is still the teaching if you want to be an Orthodox, uh, if you want to follow Orthodox Jewry. And it means endless ceremonial washing. You'll see here from the passage, even if you go to Little, Actually, Mark doesn't mention little, but you get the idea. If, if, even if you pop to little, you've got to come back and you've got to go through all this business of cleaning yourself in a, in a special way. You've just got to keep yourself clean if God's going to accept you. And Jesus turns to these guys and he says, well, where does that idea come from? Verse 8, he says, that's man-made tradition. That's not God's command. It started off in God's word. You look back into Exodus, the uh, numbers. Uh, in there, you do find rules about some ceremonial washing just for the priests. But this has been turned into a sort of a, an industry. And, and the leaders have got everybody doing it. 
and, and it's become an end in itself. As long as I keep washing, then God's okay with me. Now, quite important to note, Jesus is not saying here that tradition is bad. Okay, this idea of the tradition of the elders is a sort of bit of a, a, a code word because what they've done is they've taken something that starts in the Bible and from a very flimsy base turned it into this really weird set of behaviours. Now, I don't think many of us perhaps relate to this idea. Not many of us are spending a lot of time ceremonially washing ourselves every time we go to little. But the fundamental question that Jesus is saying is kind of, well, why do you believe what you do believe? Where does it come from? Where do, where do my belief systems come from? And you're going to have all sorts of stuff that you and I, we bring along to our daily lives that we apply. And, and you might be, a, I don't know what you are, you, you, whether you're a Christian or not. You could be, you could be a vegan or not. You could be a, a, an anti-vaxxer. Uh, you, 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 like, you might, might love woke. Uh, you might love Boris. I don't know. But all that stuff that makes up what you believe, what's it rooted in? What's the basis for it? Is it rooted and informed by God's word? Or is it just built up from what other people say? Verse 3, do you see Mark says, everyone followed this rule. Everybody just went along with it. It's very easy, isn't it, just to absorb and go along with what other folk are saying and saying to us without testing it. Saying, is that consistent? Is that what God's word says to me? That's why it is so important, isn't it, that we keep going back to the Bible every day, see what God is saying to us. So Jesus is criticizing the priests uh, because here they've let go the commands of God and they're holding on to the traditions of men. That's in verse 8. So what other, pe- what other people say has become more important than what God says. Well, that then begs the question, well, what does God say? And that's why Jesus quotes Isaiah. Because Jesus is referencing us back to the Old Testament where God says he wants a people who genuinely love him. Not people who just go through the motions. See here, people's hearts were far from God, Isaiah says. They honor me with their lips. They worship me in vain. You see, they look good, they sound good. But it's all just a show. And, and, the reason, uh, and, and that's really the reason why Jesus moves on. Because it's a show, he moves on from, well, what do we believe... How does that translate into our actions? How does it translate into what we do? And, and to focus on this idea of what we do, he picks on this idea of Corban, which you see, verse 11, Jesus begins to uh, talk about that. I mean, the idea there was that you might have um, an elderly relative uh, and you want to, to, to care for them, but actually 
you've got better things to do with your money. You quite fancy uh, a trip to Rome to watch the rugby. So you declare your money in some way dedicated to God. And it was all a big scam, really. You said it was dedicated to God. You did a little deal with the priests. Uh, you kept the money. Uh, your poor old mum, dad, Aunt Lucy uh, uh, had to fend for themselves. Uh, and you did very well out of it. Thank you very much. It was a corrupt system. But it was a way of behaving that made me look good. But actually, it just wasn't godly. This is actually a word we're quite familiar with at the moment. This was hypocritical. That's the verse. You can see that in verse 6. Um, we kind of know what hypocrites are at the moment, don't we? It's, it's people who tell you you've got to stay in lockdown while they're partying. Allegedly. And that's a sensitive subject, isn't it? Twitterati going bonkers. It makes us jolly cross when we're treated like that. Look at what Jesus says in verse 13. Jesus is cross. Really cross. He says, what you're doing is nullifying the word of God. He says, the way you're behaving completely destroys the gospel. The great news of the gospel is that God's love is freely given and freely received. But the way these guys are behaving just turns it into a transaction. Completely destroys the whole point of the gospel. Uh, the way they're behaving is as long as you behave in a certain way, God will pay you back. He'll look, he'll look after you. There's a sort of deal going on. And this wasn't just a little isolated example. Verse 13, uh, he says, you do lots of things like this. You live your whole lives as though the way you're behaving will make God happy. And so God's okay with it. So it's kind of time for another reality check, isn't it? And say, well, what about our behavior? How does this apply to us? Ben, last week, was talking about living our lives on the front line. Wherever that may be uh, for us as Christians, whether it's the workplace or family or just chatting with our neighbours, college, wherever. What do people see? Do folks see in me someone who, you know, goes to church every Sunday? Uh, perhaps I just do it to keep my husband or wife happy. Perhaps I do it as a sort of insurance policy. Don't really know what might happen to me one day, just in case. Better go to church. You know, if that's why you're here, Jesus says you're nullifying the gospel. Your behavior isn't neutral. It's damaging the gospel. You're completely contradicting the good news of the gospel actually by being here. Your behavior nullifies the good news. You see, people aren't seeing a changed heart. They're seeing someone who thinks religious behavior is all that matters. So we may need to look again. We need to challenge ourselves. Why do I believe what I believe? And why do I do what I do? And that takes us to the third question Jesus asks. Why do we hope 
what we hope for. Why do we hope as we do? Because that's what verses 14 to 21 are all about. Let's get into that last section. Um, And this is really important. This is the bit that really kind of changes everything. Verse 14, can you see Jesus calls everyone to him? Commentators say everyone means you and me. He calls everyone to him. And he says to us, listen. Understand. Remember those moments when your mum and dad got so fed up with you? Which I remember quite well. And they, and they, dad says, listen to me. And they sort of sit you down and look you in the face. That's kind of what Jesus is saying here. Pay attention. Concentrate. And Jesus is going to make the same point twice. Verse 18, verse 20. He says there's a problem. There's a problem with our very souls, our very hearts. He says, what makes us unclean, unfit to know God? It's nothing to do with our behavior. It's not what we eat, it's not what we do. It's inside us, deep inside us. That's a big statement, isn't it? You compare it to how many people think they can please God or how many religions work. But this is the message of the whole Bible. Even if the priests in those days uh, had missed it, uh, it, this is the main central thrust of the Bible. We have a problem in our hearts. And that means we have no hope for our eternal future, doesn't it? Without outside help. I was, uh, I see in the paper yesterday, it said Justin Bieber sleeps in some sort of barometric oxygen tent uh, so that he can live to 125. Who would like Justin Bieber still around at 125? I don't know. But what he's trying to do is really get to eternal life, isn't he? He's saying, if I only I do that, maybe I can live forever. Well, the Bible says there's nothing you can do about an unclean heart. No amount of ritual washing, no fancy religious behavior, no fancy oxygen tents, no clever philosophy, meditation, mindfulness, all these trendy things. This is nuclear. We have this deep problem that we are fundamentally defiled. And even coming to this, as many of you will have done uh, again, this is familiar for many of us, it still takes a bit of processing, how serious that is. Verse 18, Jesus calls his disciples dull when they ask him about it. He calls them thick. Seems a bit harsh, doesn't it, really? But doesn't it make you think how, from Jesus' point of view, how absurd it must be that we think that by the way we behave... We can please God. And it did take the early Christians some time to understand this. This was, this was such a big change. The, the implications were so great. Um, and that's why uh, Mark makes this comment about, uh, about G, this um, Jesus declaring all foods clean in verse 19. Because that took time to really work through the implications of what this really meant. Which is why the good news 
is that at Paul Ogione's breakfast, when he's talking about how he moved from a life of crime to know Jesus, we're having bacon rolls. So be there. Because we're not kosher. And we take that for granted, don't we? But that is the outworking of what Jesus is saying here. It took many years, and for some of us, it takes many years for this point to sink in. But our souls, the essential me, is vile before God. Do you know, we're so vile, in Isaiah, God actually says we're like a pile of used tampons. That's a disgusting image, isn't it? But that is what God says we are like to him. And to prove his point, go on to verse 21, 22. Jesus lists the things that we do and what we're like inside. Uh, and it, uh, the message, this is going to be all pretty unpleasant, really. Uh, the message describes this list as heart vomit. <laughs> it's, it's cheerful stuff, isn't it? But he said, these actions that Jesus lists, verse 21, 22, are like heart vomits. And there's a sort of symmetry to this list, the stuff that Jesus describes as coming from inside us. There's a sort of balance of beliefs and actions, and you can see that uh, as you work through it. So greed, malice, envy, arrogance, folly, those are sort of uh, how we might behave. And then immorality, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, deceit, lewdness, slander, the, the, the stuff we do. Some odd words in there, aren't there? I mean, um, where's lewdness? Lewdness is a very odd word. Uh, it's sort of, it's difficult to capture now, but I think the idea has been coarse, being offensive. And, and folly, folly isn't being just silly. Uh, folly has this idea of, of almost deliberate senselessness. Not thinking about things. So this list is the way of Jesus proving his point, really. Saying this is what we're like inside. Now, if you look at this list, the one thing we shouldn't do with it is go through it and tick it off against our lives and say, well, I don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, I'm all right. That is not what this list is for. Because if you do that, you're right back to how the Pharisees were. We're right back to saying, well, if I behave in a certain way, I'm all right. Jesus gives us this list to say, look, that is what we're all like. That's what's inside us. To use the traditional word, we're all sinners. We're unclean, not because we do this stuff, but because that's inside our hearts. And religion doesn't sort out this heart vomit. And the slightly strange thing about this passage is it doesn't give us the answer either. It just leaves it hanging, actually, Mark 7, presents you with the problem. And yet we know the answer to the problem because Ben was talking about it last week. It's the whole reason Mark wrote his gospel, isn't it? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, that when we turn to him, he gives us that new heart. He puts us right with God forever. He cleans up this stuff. And that does happen. That actually has happened. For those of us who have put their trust in Christ, that list 
has been cleaned up. And you look at it and you think, well, actually it hasn't. Actually, I still feel some of this stuff. And I have done some of this stuff. And I'll go on today, later on, and do some of this stuff. Well, you know, if we're worrying about that, if we're conscious of that, then we can be assured that the Holy Spirit has been at work in our lives. That we are pure in heart. And what we have to do is, is like David in, in, in Psalm 51. Uh, we go back to the Lord again and again and say, create in us a clean heart, O Lord. And we need his refreshing all the time. But we can only do that because we've listened to what Jesus says here in the first place. When we've accepted the truth that there is nothing we can do to earn God's love. We simply have to accept it and what Jesus has done for us. Um, Phil Moon had a word of knowledge this week when he told me, without knowing it, that I had an ingrown toenail on my left foot. There were witnesses there who saw it. And it's true. I have two health problems. I know you'd like to know this. Um, I have an ingrown toenail on my left foot. Um, and I've also got a dodgy heart valve. It's not quite working properly. Um, I'm supposed to be on some sort of prescription for it, uh, but I've lost it. Uh, and the NHS seem incapable uh, of tracking it down. Now, which ones do you think I'm worried about? Am I worried about my dodgy heart valve? Or am I fussed about my ingrowing toenail? Well, actually, I'm much more fussed about my ingrowing toenail. Because it hurts. And it looks like that. I can't see the heart. Be all right. I'm sure. <laughs> it's a wrong priority, isn't it? I need to sort out my heart. Not the, not the outside stuff. That's what Mark 7 is saying. We can act religious, we can believe all sorts of stuff, but if it's not from God, if it's not rooted in his word, we're wasting our time. We've got our, wrong priori- we've got our priorities wrong. Unless my heart is right with God, my eternity is going to be spent in hell. So my priority has got to be getting my heart right with God through Jesus. Very short line, but a very telling line in the Sermon on the Mount. That amazing promise that Jesus says to us there when he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Amen.